0: Now you know I'm I'm still here. I missed you during the training, but that is the sovereign arrangement of God and His government. In 1998, I began to visit Russia twice a year to hold trainings for the Responsible Brothers. Then in 2002, while I was there, the co-workers approached me and asked if I would please consider having a meeting with their wives and other sisters. And the brothers sensed that the sisters needed just some particular fellowship. So that began the semi-annual aspect of my visit there. And what I'm going to describe now is the only way I've been fellowshipping with sisters in my whole church life. And it was this. The leading I had was to tell the sisters this time is for you. It's not a time for me to give you a lengthy message. Rather, I'll give you a brief opening word on a matter that I think is significant for you. And then from that point on, please write out questions, pass them up to the front, and then there will be question and response. I don't say question and answer. Why? If a question concerns the truth and the truth has been revealed and defined, then I can give an answer. And some of the sisters had serious questions about points of truth, so I answered. But most of their questions were experiential. They were practical. They were relational. And I don't have answers to things like that. I don't have answers to many of the deep questions in my own being. So I said, I'll just give you, in response, genuine fellowship. Then you just weigh that with your discernment whether it's helpful or not. So we'll have two sessions, 75 minutes each exactly. (laughs) Now until 1045, then a 15-minute break. In the first part, there's a reason you don't have an outline because this is not a message it was just some fellowship from my being. But the second session is for question and response. So I believe, Bob, before we take a break, we'll let you know how they can be submitted. If for some reason, almost semi-miraculous, there's no questions, <laughs> then I will earnestly seek the Lord what to do next. <laughs> but once the questions start coming, uh, there's quite a flow. And usually the length of a question and response meeting is at least two and a half hours. We will have 75 minutes. Okay, now the fellowship begins. So here is a description of what before the Lord and in the body I understand to be the intrinsic, essential function of sisters in the church life. And this function is to bring forth the all-inclusive Christ as a life into the church. By God's creation. Sisters. Are deeper. Than brothers. For the most part. They're experiential. By nature. And their capacity. To love. Is immeasurable. This is by God's design. And yes, I'll comment later probably on outward practical service functions. But to have those without the essential function really means nothing. I repeat, the intrinsic essential function of a sister is to bring forth Christ as life into the church, into the body. This is not a matter of what sisters do. It's altogether a matter of what they are before the Lord. Right now as I'm standing here, I still sense affection and respectful love for two elderly sisters that were spiritual mothers to me. Only these two. One was Sister Lee, the other is someone you do not know. Their simple existence in the church their presence in a meeting brought forth christ as life this was a real a, a real thing and so this is where i focus in 1968 Brotherly gave some messages on um, the function of sisters. They're in Collected Works, 1968, Volume 1. And he mentions, in the church, the body, the brothers are bones. I would add, maybe muscles to be the structure, to be the strength. But the sisters are the blood. The life blood. And having said that, he pointed out that is why problems among the sisters are much more serious than problems among brothers. Because those problems affect the life blood, the life supply of the church organically. And he even said on one occasion, when he, was a, when he would become aware of this, he would fast and pray for days. And some of us who were here in 1977 and 1978 in Anaheim and passed through that valley of death, we know, we'll never forget, how deep, how far-reaching was the damage caused by sisters who were out of order, who had no submission, and who were used by the enemy. So I present two extremes. Sisters that are spiritual mothers. When, whenever I would meet them, just incidentally, on the sidewalk, just the smile, just the greeting, ministered life. I would just stop and receive whatever she wanted to say. But at the other hand, there's this side, because both the Lord and the enemy want to use the sisters as vessels to accomplish their intention. So we cannot overestimate the importance, the function of sisters in the church as the body of Christ. But I come back to my original definition. This function is not a matter of how well you can do practical things. It depends entirely on what is taking place in your being year after year before the Lord. So I ask you now, not in the way of interrogating you, but of inquiring. When you are with the Lord, one-on-one with him, what is your basic prayer? What is most in your being? Are you able to say, Brother Ron, I realize what is on the Lord's heart is to constitute my whole being with himself as my life. This is his central work. And yes, I confess what I need to confess. I deal with things that I have to deal with. But my life before the Lord is the life of an open vessel to give the Lord unhindered access to every part of my being. then now such a sister has a deep hidden life with the Lord. Her life truly is hidden with Christ in God. And maybe 20% of what she experiences and what she has passed through might be shared. The rest directly flows through her being into the church. Now, with this as our point of reference, our foundational point, I want to share various matters related to this. And then toward the end of this session, and we'll end not by prophesying, but by by praying, I will point out to you the possibility of being in Christ, what I will call a composite sister of three sisters in the New Testament. I'll mention them to you. The first couple you might be thinking of the third might surprise you. Okay. If the sisters are to bring forth the all inclusive Christ as life, they must have a being and a life of submission. Now, I don't know how this word is affecting you. Submission. I'm speaking to sisters, so I need to emphasize what submission is for sisters. If I'm speaking to brothers, there's another side of that. But it's important to make a distinction between Submitting and submission. Submitting is a behavior which mainly is from the natural life. It's mainly ethical. It's mainly giving in to what you're expected to do, or it's a cultural reflex. This is the way your culture shaped you. Or it's dispositional. I'm not talking about this. Some kind of blind, undiscerning, submitting. Living and being in submission is an inward realization of our standing before God. And here, we need to see two aspects of the truth. And both should be equally stressed. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, Paul points out that in Christ, three pairs of people, no longer exist. In Christ, no Jews, no Gentiles. No one in bondage, no one free. No male and female. That's the word. Right now, there are a few brothers here, many sisters here, In Christ as a new creation, there is no male or female. And ultimately, when our whole being, when our body is transfigured, we will be fully in the new creation. We will all be glorified sons of God. This distinction no longer exists. But the situation is different in the church. In 1 Corinthians twelve, thirteen, Paul mentions no Jew nor Greek, no bond or free. He doesn't mention no male or female. Because in practicality, the church life is in space, it's in time, It's in the physical realm. And we all are under God's governmental relationship concerning male and female. Being in Christ where there is no male or female does not nullify this other side. We all know Genesis 1. Let us make man in our image. Let them have dominion. Male and female, he created them. Here you see the equality. Male and female alike express God, represent God. But then in the next chapter, we see another aspect of how the female was brought forth. With this in view, we can look afresh at 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul says, and this word would be utterly hated (coughs) by our culture, (coughs) that the head of the woman is the man. The head of the man is Christ. The head of Christ is God. God. This is a governmental relationship. And when a sister. She's not influenced by what she sees others wearing on their head or not. When she sees this vision. And realizes her standing. And is aware that there is rebellion throughout this universe and rebellion throughout the earth. She, with not only peace but joy, would like to cover her head as a testimony to the rebellious angels. I maintain my standing. She knows she's not inferior. She's not a doormat for any man to mistreat her. This is what I mean by submission. It's not something any of us can do by our self-effort, by our natural life, by our determination. The one man who was fully obedient unto death is Christ Jesus. He is submission. We need him to be this within us. And then the sisters are, they have this combination now they realize their essential function is to let life flow through them into the body. And then they also realize in order to carry out this function, my being and my living must be in submission. A further word to strengthen the point about Life is flowing out of your being into the body. We owe this understanding to Brother Ni. And he gave messages on ministering life. And what he said, this is just inscribed on my being. He said, as soon as someone touches Life in a fresh way, immediately that life flows through him into the body. Nothing needs to be spoken, nothing needs to be done. And then what happened to him? For 20 years, this is how he lived. Only God knows how much life He touched, streamed through Him into the body. But also, I would add, Brother Nee was dependent on the life supply in the body. So he's living in this mutuality. So any sister, for whatever reason, does not have submission in her being or in her living. No matter what she can do, like capable Martha... She is not a channel of life. And that is a great loss. That, I hope you would not misunderstand this. In the conversation Brother Lee had with me, he emphasized this. He said, sisters need to be hidden, to be covered. It doesn't mean you don't speak in a meeting. Sisters can prophesy. Sisters can pray. It means you're not here to express yourself in any way. You're not here to be recognized, to be appreciated. You are living the reality of the kingdom life in secret before the father who sees in secret and all that you do in the practical church life that's like the trunk of a tree and the limbs is supported by deep roots. Now, based upon what we've covered so far is something that will be familiar to you, but I hope the familiarity wouldn't make this old. To me, it's very fresh. And let me introduce this way. I realize that as I'm aging physically, I will, under the Lord's leading, adjust my schedule of traveling and this and that, I have Brother Lee as a pattern. But I have been serving in this way for the last 25 years. And the basic reason I am able to do this is that sisters pray. They pray. Sisters that the co workers have never met, they pray. And that prayer releases the life. I was once in a situation in another country that was physically threatening. So I called home. I knew immediately what my wife would do. She called Sister Lee. Sister Lee understood immediately, and the prayer dealt with it. The leading brothers, the elders, the co workers set the direction, (coughs) make decisions. But the carrying out all depends on the prayers of the sisters. We can't match you in the prayer ministry. In Luke 18, the Lord tells a parable about persevering in prayer. He doesn't use a man. He uses a woman was being persecuted by her adversary and appeals to the judge who's unrighteous and doesn't care. But she won't stop. And the Lord said, you see what the unjudge said? But here is a sister that even when the heavens are silent and God appears to be nothing, has the faith to keep on I'm not exaggerating. I'm not being dramatic. I'm not appealing to your feelings. Without your prayers, I would not be alive today. I am fully dependent, learning as from Paul, at least a little bit, when he said, I know this will turn out to my salvation through your petition and the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so the prayer ministry of the church in, with your companion, in a group, it's unlimited. One day I was working in my office in building two on the campus and a group of serving sisters, all experienced sisters, asked one of them to stop by my office with a question. And they said, we are facing a matter regarding a younger sister that is life or death. And the question was, Can we pray prayers of warfare? And I told her without hesitation, yes, you are members of the body. But when you pray like this, you need to be covered. And we, the brothers, will cover you. So she went back and they prayed. And they delivered or enabled the Lord to deliver that sister. And the enemy was defeated. In Acts 12, persecution came not just from Judaism, the religion, but from the Roman leaders. Herod. Killed one of the apostles. Can you imagine the shock of hearing this? James, the brother of John, has been murdered, and Peter is in prison. And so the church prayed earnestly. So, what happened? Well, an angel appeared twice. First to Peter in prison. Kind of poked him, said, wake up. We're getting out of here. The second time an angel appeared when Herod was glorifying himself and the people said the voice of a god that angel came and struck him. Angels don't just fly around because they want to. Prayers reached the throne. And the throne realized this is not the way Peter will end his course. This is not the time. And so one angel... Releases Peter. Then I mentioned the other dealt with the oppressor. Then once Peter came to himself on the street, he said, this is not a dream. This really happened. Where did he go? And why did he go there? He went to Mary's house, the mother of John, where many were praying. And it's very likely, I followed Brother Lee in this, that there was mainly a group of sisters praying. You are able to release God's administration to be carried on the earth. You are able to open the heavens to pour out blessing. You are able to apply the victory of Christ to the present attacks of the enemy. The Lord cover me and you to say. But during the last couple of weeks, a brother with whom I can really open my being, I just let him know. I said, brother, I am under a constant attack of death from every direction. Well, as soon as a sister discerns this, the Lord just touches your intuition. Your prayers will deal with it. We cannot serve. We cannot travel. We cannot minister. We cannot work. Without you. But you're not going to get any credit. For your prayers. You're not going to put up a plaque. And say so and so was the so-called prayer warrior. The father knows. You will receive your reward. When you stand before the son of man. And he says. I have a record here. Of your hidden life. Now you will be manifested with me in glory. But this prayer ministry is very closely related to a being and life of submission. If you are opinionated, if you are critical, if you are judgmental, just in your thinking, in your feeling, you're finished with this kind of prayer. If you are stumbled or bothered by something, And can never let it go. You're not under submission. I'm talking about a condition of your inner being. You do not live by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You do not evaluate anything by right and wrong. You are in the stream of life. Okay, then the more we allow the Lord day by day to build himself into us, and the more we have a being in life of submission, then the prayer ministry emerges. For a brother to be brought into genuine ministry, beyond gift, beyond knowledge, genuine ministry, as we know from 2nd Corinthians, is the issue of revelation plus suffering. There is no other way. The prayer ministry is even higher than this. In Acts, we're told, the disciples said, Others will wait on tables. We will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now we go on to some other matters. And I alluded to this, so I bring it up now. It's something I truly do not understand. I do not understand it in anyone. And especially, I do not understand it with sisters. But I know a number of cases involving a sister who's the wife of an elder who was offended and for 20 years now, closer to 30 years, has never let the matter go. For some reason, has never forgiven this offense. I don't understand. Sisters, don't you know the kingdom truth? Your refusal to forgive will cost you the kingdom? So there is that side. <clears throat> but, several times, and this is in the training context, sisters ask for fellowship. And they describe, such and such a thing happened to me. I want to forgive, but I can't. Then I helped them realize you need to understand something, what happened to you. You were not only offended, you were hurt, you were wounded. This happens among us. We just kind of collide, dispositions collide, people say things, they have an attitude. And so I pointed out, you have the heart to forgive. You actually have forgiven. But you feel that you have not because the wound has not been healed. So you need to go to the Lord and open your being and let him pour into the wound oil and wine. They heal you in life. When that happens, it will just be a distant memory, no more feeling. So, there are a good number of sisters here. I'm not going to lay any requirement on you. I don't have an iron rod, I'm exercising. I will not give a commandment to you. But I would suggest something that may or may not apply to you. This to be with the Lord and ask him, is there anything or anyone I need to forgive? But I want to clear everything up A little testimony. For many years, I was in a situation under my own laban. This was of God. I needed this. And some really outrageous things happened. And were said and done to many of us, including me. And I had to be before the Lord regarding this. And I realized this brother will never apologize. He will never repent. He just doesn't do that. But Lord, your word is, if I need to forgive something, I forgive whether or not he repents. So the Lord led me to pray. Then he added this. I said, Lord, since I have forgiven him, I ask you to forgive him and not to bring it up when he stands before you. I know what it is. I'm not a martyr, not a hero. I'm just a brother. I know what happened in 1978 and how deep it hurt me. And I made an inward decision because of certain things that were done. I will never open. To anyone ever again. They'll betray me again. And after a meeting, an older brother, he's now with the Lord, I'd like to honor him. His name is Carl. He wasn't an elder then. He just went up to me like a father with a son and said, Ron. You have been hurt. And just his cherishing, his nourishing, enabled me to be healed and to nullify that self-protecting vow and to learn from the Lord how to open, when to open, how much. None of this is theory to me. Now, the next thing, I have to use a word. It's a precious word, but it might you know, I don't want to, it might scare you a little. And I'm not hiding behind Brother Lee. I take responsibility for what I'm saying, but in one of those messages in the volume I told you about. In the context of sisters' prayer ministry, Brother Lee said, sisters, you need to be broken. To be broken. A decisive act of the spirit's discipline needs to touch the self. And when this happens, when there's the breakthrough, nothing can offend you. Things may hurt you, but they don't offend you. And now you're willing and able to sacrifice, do not defend yourself. Again, I'm speaking with sisters. The difference between sisters and brothers in this is not significant, but there is a difference. I'm quite aware of this, not deliberately. I don't scrutinize. I don't spy. I don't keep a mental record. But my dear sisters, there are actually very, very few sisters who are truly spiritually mature. And this is a desperate need to reach the minimal age of 20. We talked about this in the training. You are now fully in the fourth stage. But you had to pass through all the work of the cross on the flesh, self, the natural constitution. And my heart is full of loving concern when I see a sister. Maybe she's been here 50 years. Maybe she's the wife of an elder or not. very faithful, attends all the feasts, attends all the meetings, engaged in practical service. Then I realized standing in front of me is an unbroken shell. And one time a number of us were having lunch with Brother Lee. He was always very careful And talking about situations. He talked about a certain brother who's an elder in a certain place and his wife. He just commented, she needs to be broken. Then what should you do when you hear this? I don't know if you want to reread part of that book. The breaking of the outer man, but I don't suggest that. Rather, I suggest this that you come to the Lord in faith and love, and open your being to Him. And pray like this, Lord. I don't want to remain unbroken and untouched by the cross for the rest of my life. Lord, I'm willing for you to give me the experiences I need to be an empty yet broken vessel. Then, when that breaking takes place, the limits that we've been placing on the Lord are gone. And now he can reach the depths of your being. If this does not happen, there will be two kinds of elderly. Sisters, among us. And I'm not, I have no one in mind. Please don't be subjective. I'm not aiming this at you. I'm speaking in principle. Because they're elderly, regardless of their spiritual development, we respect them. We honor them but we're not blind we realize here's this sister like sister Lee and here is another sister an opinionated older sister the self is stronger now than when she was middle aged This is a very real situation. That's why Brother Lee had a training for us only for Anaheim and Huntington Beach in 1981 on the perfecting training. And the training was based on this question. Has your growth in life matched your years in the church? And he identified the causes. So these are matters related to the intrinsic, essential function of sisters to bring forth as life the all-inclusive Christ who has been and is being wrought into their being for the body. These sisters pray not only for their own spiritual development. They begin to pray like this. Yes, Lord, I want to be an overcomer. I want to be part of the bride. But Lord, now I'm praying for something Higher than this. Gain me for the body. Grow in me for the church, for the saints. Do whatever you need to do to gain my whole being for this purpose. Now, we have 21 minutes. We'll need two or three to pray. I want to mention this composite, that is combination, sister, of three uh, women, three sisters in the New Testament. And the first is Mary. The Mary the sister of Martha. In Luke 10, Martha is very active. Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening, listening. We need to realize listening is deeper than seeing. When the Lord himself is speaking to the seven churches he said seven times he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So to listen requires that we are brought out of our subjectivity our self-awareness and we're just open to hear whatever the Lord would say. Then this same Mary in John 12 broke the alabaster flask and anointed the Lord. Whenever there needs to be an illustration of absolute. Love for the Lord is not with a man; it's with a sister. Jesus, this sister realized something that the apostle brothers didn't. The Lord said, "She anointed me ahead of time for my burial. She knew what was coming." And she grasped the opportunity to pour out from the depths of her being that hidden portion. Some have asked me, not very many, but a few, but why I wrote that line in the hymn, love outpoured from hidden depths within me. What does that mean? It means something is accumulated in your being that is not for yourself. It's not for others. It's not for the church. It's for the Lord. So it's hidden even from you. But when it's time for you out of love, to pour out your whole being to him. You discover there's something here, Lord, just for you. So you may want to consider, without being introspective, how your love for the Lord is developing according to the eight chapters in Song of Songs. Will we stay forever in chapter one? Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Your love is better than wine. Don't we want to advance to a later chapter where the Lord says to her, your love is better than wine. Sisters, we can't match you We can only learn of you, follow the pattern of the depths of loving the Lord and pouring out your being on him. Then we have Martha. And I have some, I think, interesting things to share about Martha. But you have to listen all the way to the end. And I think you will be encouraged. In Luke 10, verse 38, we're told a, a certain woman named Martha received him, the Lord, into her home. Then verse 39, Mary sitting at his feet, listening to his word. But Martha was being drawn about with much serving. Now listen to this. She said, Lord, does it not matter to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to do her part with me. Now that is strong. That is super strong. Doesn't it matter to you? Tell her. Now, if it's an untransformed, prideful man listening to this, I know from the Lord's own dealing, he would say, oh, you strong? Me stronger. (laughs) I will never be defeated by a woman no matter how strong you are. Well, that's the old male flesh self pride. Listen to what the God man says Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Isn't this endearing? Martha, Martha, you're anxious. You're troubled. I'm a guest in your house. You want the food to be right. You want the table to be set. You're doing this all by yourself. But there is need of one thing. Martha. One thing. Martha's here. There are a good number. Wait till the end. You'll get the good news. Don't make up your mind yet. There's the need of one thing. In the church, there's a need of one thing among the sisters. It's not more activity, more doing. It's more sitting, listening, and loving. Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Then in John 11, Martha and Mary send a kind of coded message to the Lord Jesus concerning their brother Lazarus, who was sick. So they appealed to his emotion, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. You love him. So surely we will come immediately and heal him. But the Lord, living God the Father, could not do this. And then we decided to come to show forth a sign signifying resurrection. The opinion started to flow, beginning with the brother's. Now you want to go, one of them says. This is dangerous. Another with a martyr self said, let's go and die with him. (laughs) Then he comes, Martha's there. If you had come, if you had come, our brother would not have died. It's your fault. And then he tries to tell her things. She says, yes, I believe something else. Then she goes and says, Mary, the Lord is calling you. He didn't call her. Then Mary comes. Then eventually Jesus wept. Now they're at the tomb. The Lord is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He said, roll away the stone. Martha can't keep quiet. She said, He's been in there for days. He stinks now. <laughs> <sighs> and so the Lord just declares Lazarus, come forth, and he's resurrected. Okay, you put t- together Martha in Luke 10 and Martha in John 11. To me, it's not very encouraging. So, here is my assessment of the actual situation. Sisters, along with the other attributes I mentioned, have a keen awareness of practical needs, of human needs. We see this in Luke chapter 8. The Lord is traveling with the disciples and a group of women are traveling with them ministering in a practical way. I believe with food who knows all kinds of human things. The sisters excel us in this. And Martha is superb at this. So we cannot have The church life without Martha. But Martha is so strong and opinionated, we cannot have the church life with Martha either. Okay, but good news John 12 follows John 11. And here we have a picture in miniature of the church life in resurrection. So the Lord is there as resurrection life. Lazarus is there as a testimony of this. Mary is expressing her love. Then we read this, and Martha served. Martha served. This is Martha in resurrection. So those of you who are the Mary type, who've had certain grievances with the Martha type, don't give up on any of the Marthas. If you are aware of certain things, in your thinking, in your praying, Don't criticize. Just pray, Lord, bring our sister into resurrection. Because without this practical service, how can the church life go on? With so many needs, with so many people. And now, the third person, who could this be? Her name is Phoebe. And in Romans 16, Paul begins his greetings and fellowship concerning the churches. And listen to what he says. First, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister who is a deaconess of the church, which is in Sancria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever matter she may have need of you. Now this is crucial for she herself has also been the patroness of many of myself as well. So, this sister was a deaconess, she's serving. But Paul emphasizes this she's a patroness. So, I looked this up in the life study afresh this morning. And a patroness is a person, this is a woman, who comes alongside of you, who cares for you, who ministers to your needs, who cherishes you, who comforts you, and protects you. What kind of person is this? That Paul would even say, She was a patroness to me. I hope you don't have the thought that brothers who minister or brothers who are co-workers or brothers who are experienced elders like we have in Anaheim, that they don't need a patroness. We all need a patroness. And she herself, Paul is now caring for her in response. Receive her to honor her. Whatever need she has, take care of her. Then he explains why on her part she has been a patroness of many Of myself as well. So we put together Mary, Martha, Phoebe. Please don't consecrate yourself and say, Lord, from now on I promise to be a Martha Mary, Mary Martha Phoebe. This is what the all-inclusive Christ as life wrought into a sister's being can produce. Yes, you will be a patroness in a way that matches the vessel God created you to be. But how much the church life would be elevated if in all the churches there were patronesses. This is just their being. It's an expression of her being. So there's the love that's developing to the uttermost. There's the practical service in resurrection. And there's the patroness, one who knows how to be with anyone alongside to supply, to provide, to cherish, to encourage, to comfort. I believe this fellowship, I truly believe, at least to some extent, it's from the Lord. And the sense I have is you are receiving it in a full way. And we just pray, Lord, work this out for the building up of the body, for the maturing of the new man, and the preparation of the bride. And so, we need to have some prayer. Let's have a number of sisters, wherever you are seated, just pray short prayers, two or three sentences. If we could have eight or ten pray. And then our brother Bob will direct us. Please don't hold back. Just let the Lord flow.